Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now enjoy today's message. Hello, Velocity Church. Pastor Kevin Gerald here. I'm so glad to hear that you guys are going through the Proving Ground series. Life is full of tests. I wrote this book to help equip you so that you could see that problems are often opportunities or proving grounds that position us for promotion in our lives. You pass the test and you get promoted. I also want to say we love your pastors, Pastor Justin and Marissa. We love these guys so much and we're so excited about your church. We believe that the best is yet to come for your church. So enjoy the series, Proving Ground. God bless you guys. So this weekend, uh, I want to talk to you about how easy it is to get drawn into an offense and to not realize when you do the negative impact and the consequences that it has on your own life. I want to encourage you to see every offense in two stages. Stage one, this is a big deal, like, so, so I'm going to ask you to, to, to talk to me and repeat after me, especially in this first part, because I, I want it to stick with you throughout this series that you will identify two stages to every offense, all right? So stage one, everybody say stage one. Stage one, stage one is the feeling of offense. This is, this is what you feel when offense comes into your life, and I'm sure that some of you I've had this happen this week, even today, possibly. Uh, some, something, uh, or, or something happened or someone did something that caused you to feel overlooked, insulted, violated, taken advantage of, not considered. You felt offended. And this feeling is not something you can control. Everyone feels offended. That's stage one. Stage two, on the other hand, everybody shout stage two. Is the choice to live or not live offended. This is the stage that many people are unaware of. They assume that feeling offended leaves them with no choice but to live offended. But just because you were offended doesn't mean you have to live offended. Can we talk? I'm here to help you today. So let's go back, like, because this is, this is kind of something that you just got to uh, figure out, and it sounds a little bit more complicated than it is, but let's, do, let's go back. Stage one, everybody say stage one. stage one. Stage one is when someone presents you with the opportunity to be offended. So a person serves you a glass of offense. 
It can be a family member, a coworker, a friend. It can be your kids' teachers <laughs> who just don't get it with your child, that your child is extra brilliant and doesn't ever really do anything wrong. It could be someone at church. It could be somebody in the parking lot. What they, what they did wasn't right. What they said was hurtful. But, but there it is. A big glass of straight up offense. And you're human, so it bothers you. And you look at it, you can't believe it. Like, you, 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 you look at it from another angle, it's even more irritating. You might even call some friends over to have a look at it. You're trying to make sense of it. You're, you're trying to uh, create logic around it. You're, and that's where you have a choice to make. Do I drink the cup of offense? Do I go from feeling offended to living offended? See, that's what stage two is. Stage two is to live offended. And, and living offended is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> Going to help some folks. By the way, this message is not, it's not for the faint of heart. We're getting real today. Like, we're, we're going to get right down into where you live. I have not even knocked on the door. I just barged into your living room. And it's not for people who want to hold on to your stuff. Like, if you're here today and you're like, you ain't going to get me to let go of my stuff, well, this message is not for you. This message is for people who don't want to hold on and who do want to let go of their stuff. See, the choice to not drink the poison, the choice to leave it there, you still see it and you know what happened, but that choice is a choice for a healthy soul. That, that choice is a choice for a peaceful mind. And sometimes you have to push and push and push because you're so tempted. You want to grab it. You want to guzzle it. You want to drink it. You want to take it in. But that's a choice when you resist the temptation and when you keep on saying, I'm not going to drink 
I'm not going to drink it. I'm not, I'm not going to leave it right there. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, it upsets me. It makes me mad. But I will not drink the poison. That's a choice you make for a blessed life. I want you to turn to your neighbor and, and, and tell them right now, say, I need this today. I, I need this. I, I, I really need this. Like, I really need this. I really need this. And now tell to, turn to another neighbor and tell them, and, and you need this too. Like, like you, you need this too. <laughs> so let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. First of all, offense is certain to happen. Jesus said offense will come. Offense will come. He told his disciples, many of you are going to be offended because of me. Now, now that's a real interesting comment because our idea of offense is that we're, every time we're offended, it means somebody did something wrong. But how many of you know Jesus never did anything wrong? And yet, he's saying, some of you are going to be offended, and I really didn't do anything wrong. You're just offended because I didn't do what you wanted me to do. Right. Hello. So no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you will find yourself in situations where someone will pour you a big glass of straight-up offense. And this is not something you can control. And when it happens, it doesn't mean you deserve it. It's going to happen, guys. You're going to be overlooked. You're going to be insulted. You're going to be betrayed. And anywhere that people come in contact with other people, there is the absolute guaranteed certainty of offense. Are you getting what I'm saying? In home environments, in school environments, in work environments, in church environments, offenses are certain to happen. Somebody will say something or do something that causes you to feel offended. Others will not always consider you. Others are going to make plans. You wish they would have included you, but they did not include you. People will treat you wrong. And when this happens, you see and you feel the offense. Somebody's going to say things that are not true about you. Somebody's going to take advantage of you. Somebody is going to underestimate you. And then on top of all of this, there's the, the, the hot button issues. Politics, race, gender, hot button stuff. You don't have to go very far to find someone who sees the world completely different than you do, and when they talk, you're sure to feel offended. It's getting really quiet. Remember, I've been doing this over 30 years. I go there. And we're going to go there today. Can you handle this? <laughs> Straight talk. Heart open. Mind ready. Want God to make you better. 
You want all God has for you? Come on, you want to transcend all the other stuff? Just because you have the right to be offended doesn't mean you should. Have you noticed in our social environment that people feel justified to be offended at anything that offends them? Like there's a message in culture today. You have the right to be offended. You, yes, you, yes, you, you have the right, go ahead, you have the right. So many people are hung up on, I have the right to be offended, that they fail to consider the high cost of being offended and living offended the high cost to their own mental and spiritual health. They just get in that freeze mode. I have the right, I have the right. And they don't think about some of the things I'm going to share with you out of Scripture today that actually points to a better way. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23 is where we'll go first. It reads like this. It says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So in this writing, what's happening is that it's a new day of liberty and freedom for God's people. They're coming out of legalism, and, and he writes this, and he, and he says, yes, 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 uh, there, there's, there's things that we're not in the legalized law sort of environment anymore, but let me just let you know something in case you haven't realized it, is that yes, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So, so just because you have the right doesn't mean it's the best thing for you. So, for example, online today, we have social media is like, as you know, a huge part of our lives today. And, and, and there's a lot of people that are online and because they, are, they feel anonymous, they hide behind a screen, they take, they, they take this right to be offended to a whole nother level. And, and on online, they, they pour, they pour like big glasses full of their junk. They bash what they don't like. They attack people they don't know. And then it's like we, we are, we're, first thing is like, yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. Like, yeah, it's part of our culture today. It's no big deal. Because that's like how we roll. And it is permissible for you as a Christian to speak your mind. But my question for you today is, is it beneficial? Nobody's interested in policing you, but is it beneficial? Like when I go and watch and observe what is written online by, by people and I see things sometimes that, and, and, and I look at it and I stare at it and I'm like, you didn't just write that. 
Like you, you didn't, you didn't just like say that. Like really, like like really, like you are young. You are stupid. You're still living in your mom's basement. You need to get a job. And I'm feeling all of this because I'm feeling offense. I'm feeling it. What you, what that said is causing me to feel offended. Like, how dare you? You don't know what you're talking about. And it's about that time that I remember I'm a pastor. Because my initial response is, I'm getting ready to clean your clock. Like, I'm going to come at you like you ain't ever been come at before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. (laughs) So I'll just unfollow you. And I will put my computer away, and I'll get off of social media, and I will have a peaceful night and go get a good night's sleep. Because I could, I could, I feel offended, so I could. But is it really beneficial? Another writing in Galatians chapter 5 is, is like this. It says, you're called to freedom in Christ. I want you to really lean in and, and hear me on this. This is a powerful thought that I'm about to share with you. You are called to freedom. Freedom. Everybody shout freedom. freedom. Come on, say it again. Say freedom. freedom. You are called to live free in Christ. And then he says, use it to serve one another. Use your freedom to serve. You are called to live free, but don't. Use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use it for an opportunity. Like, you're free to do what you want, but that doesn't mean that if you do what you want, you'll experience the freedom that you want. The same freedom can lead to a choice that actually creates bondage. Oh yeah, you're free, but if you use your freedom in the wrong way, you will create your own prison. And you will become hostage to your own passion, your own offense. So he's saying here, you're free, you are free to do what you want, but I just suggest that you use it to be free. I, I, like, I suggest that you, you use your freedom, Christ followers, to create more freedom for yourself and for others. Like, like, like that's my record. Yeah, you're free if you want to go off on somebody, you're free to do that. But I suggest that you exercise the freedom that you have in a way that doesn't create more hostility and and create more barriers and create greater wars and fights and strife. I, I, I just 
I just encourage you like, even though you're free to make your own choices, that you exercise that freedom in a way that liberates every day your own soul. So when you find that someone disagrees with you politically, you have the right to be offended. I mean, after all, they are wrong. If they don't see it like you see it, they're wrong. They're wrong. And, 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 and my goodness, you just, you, you cannot see how they can see it that way. So you have the right, like, you have the right to, like, Look at that and go, how, how can you see that way? Like, I, I don't even know if you're a man of God anymore. Like, I don't even know if you serve Jesus and love Jesus. Like, I can't believe you tolerate. I can't believe you put up. I can't believe blah, 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 blah. Like, like. So as a pastor, I've wondered in my own mind, I've wondered if, if those who follow us and serve in our ministry, if they actually knew my political preferences, well, how would that impact? What would that do? Like, how, would, would, would that offense, it'll start as an offense, but then would they drink a poison to the point where they would begin to judge me harshly, talk bad about me, tell their friends what they think about me, kind of like put me out of their life. Like, would that, would that happen? I've wondered in our own church, like, I pray sometimes, God, please help us. Because sometimes I'm nervous, like, and, and you get together, and I'm thinking, if they find out one another's political preferences and beliefs, like, what's that going to do? Like, there's going to be offense, and are they going to, like, take it to this level? Like, are they going to go there? Which is why I always talk about how we're called to transcend. I always, I always tell you we're called to something, something bigger and greater. Our hope is not in a political party. We are kingdom people. We are Jesus people. We believe in a coming kingdom. We have a common ground. Like, and, and, and I think sometimes like, like, God, surely with your sense of humor, you're probably, I mean, there is going to be, for some of you, newsflash, okay, but there will be, there is going to be Republicans in heaven. And there's going to be Democrats in heaven. They, they will be there. And I think in God's humor, he might even move you next door to one another. Just so you know, the other person made it. If you've been a victim of abuse, you have a right to be offended. Research shows that one in six boys and one in four girls are sexually abused before the age of 18. One of four girls, one out of six boys. You have the right. 
You have the right. You have the right. When you, when you go over that in your mind and you look at it, that was so evil. The way you were, ta- were taken advantage of was so wrong. To be angry is understandable. To be offended and to feel offended is, is normal. There's nothing right about that. You could stare at it all day. You, you never could make that wrong a right. You have the right to be offended, but just because you can. I'm I'm hoping some folks can take a couple steps back. It's not about me dictating to you. Like, Like, I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes. I'm just thinking about you. When maybe you don't and haven't paused to think about you. And maybe you haven't considered the high cost and consequences that drinking the poison would create for you and for your family and for your children. And that's really all this message is about today. It's not about trying to lighten something that is extremely, extremely horrifying or to give any credence to it being just. It's, It's totally about It's about you and the choice that you have. If your family has been mistreated or experienced injustice or hate because of the skin color that you have and the race that you were born into, then you have a right to be offended. You have a right. We sometimes look at racial tension and we think that we're the, a lot of people just think, wow, we're the first generation, but it really not. Like there's a lot in, in the Bible about it. For example, Jesus, Jesus made sure as a Jew that he was friendly to the Samaritans and on one occasion to a Samaritan woman who actually, when he talked to her, he, he was breaking custom in every way, shape, and form, and breaking law, actually, for the Jewish people. But he talked in public. He sat with her. I hear a lot these days that we should talk more, and we should. And if, we, if you're going to church today and you see people of different race and different nationality, like that's a great cue that we should talk. 
It's a great place to have conversation. But I also think and realize sometimes that we can't talk if we hold on to offense. But the reason conversation gets eliminated is a high level of offense that we carry. Paul, the Apostle Paul had an argument in this area. He said there's neither Greek nor Jew in Christ, like there, there, there is neither. And that can, be, that can be offensive. You can read that and say, well, I'm really proud of my nationality, my race. What do you mean there's neither? I want, I want, this is me, this is my identity. See, he wasn't trying to strip anybody of their natural race. He was simply trying to say that we're called to something bigger, and we have to stop seeing one another the way our, our, our culture tells us to see each other. One of our team members has a cousin who's in a coma right now after being attacked here in Tacoma, he was attacked, he was brutally beaten by some guys who saw him, an African-American, dating a white girl, and they attacked him. Race, hate, crime. Beat him with a metal bat. And one of our team members this is his cousin, and, and this, this young man is in a coma right now, hanging on to life. And if he makes it and survives, it'll be months that he'll spend in the hospital. I, I, I heard that, and I thought about him, but I also thought about the family, and I thought about the relatives, and I thought about those who are part of our family, and I thought, man, how do you, like, how, how, do, you, how do you not drink that? Like, how do you not, not how, do you, how do you not drink that? Like, I want to drink that. I look at it, and we all look at it, but there's a difference in stage one and stage two. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? So I've prayed for the family, and I've asked for some updates, and hearing them as they, I'm, I'm proud of them. I'm so proud of the members of our congregation who understand how wrong that is, but also understand the danger that, they're in a, that they are themselves in a dangerous place right now because someone served them something that could be extremely toxic to their own future. And so for a couple of weeks, I think they're circling it. They're looking at it. They're living with it sitting there. And maybe you would pray for them. But this all, this all came back as well, something else. This reminded me that of my own story. 
when my friend and I, two white guys, were attacked and beat up by eight black guys because we were white. At a park, they said I, I wasn't supposed to be there in St. Louis. That wasn't where I belonged. And we were beaten, and thankfully we managed to get away, and I, 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 we found ourselves, and there was a hospital that was not even a block away that we went to. Now, I, that thought, like, I don't talk about that very much, and, but as I, this week, as I kind of connected scenarios, I went back and I remembered also that years later when I was called to the Northwest to become a pastor, I found myself in the Northwest with a few people who were all white, all white congregation. And, and I found myself like openly talking about it and praying for people of color to, to be a part, and, uh, and asking how do, we, how do we break this barrier? And I remember when one African-American man showed up, how I leaped off the platform and went back to him in a sea of white faces, and, and said, you may not feel at home here, but please, you, you're an answer to prayer. Like, I don't even know you, but you're the beginning of something great. Heaven is in this house, and heaven is not just for one color or one race. And that person became a great friend of mine, eventually became my personal assistant. And, and now I look back and I go to a park in St. Louis, and I think about it, and not any, I'm not trying to give you or give myself glory on this. I want to give honor to God to just say to everyone who will refuse the poison that has served you, God will help you. God will bring you through. It doesn't matter what you have suffered. It doesn't matter where you have been. Come on, we serve a great God today who is able to free you up and to set you free. I'm almost done, but not quite. You can stand or be seated, whatever you want to do. I just want to ask you one more question. Have you noticed that the social norm today, I'm talking about culture around us versus God's way within us. Have you also noticed that the social norm is to assume that the only way for me to not live offended is if everyone else treats me right? You guys be seated. I said you could stand, but... If everyone else does what's right, then I'm not going to be offended. Otherwise, I have no choice. Have you noticed that that's sort of the mindset of society? Like, you leave me no choice but to be offended. The narrative is, you offend me. You offend me. 
And if I'm offended, it is your fault. And it's your responsibility to make sure that you do not offend me. Are you living in the same world I'm living in? Come on, how many of you, are, you, you know in your heart like that is not the way God's called me to live? See, the message of Scripture is completely opposite of today's culture. Rather than holding others responsible for our not being offended, Scripture encourages us to live, to not live offended lives. And Jesus said, blessed is the one who is not offended. Why would he say that if it were impossible? Proverbs 19 says that it's good sense will make us slow to anger, but the last line says it is to your glory to overlook an offense. So I feel in the atmosphere of the weekend, I feel like that God is at work. And I feel like through this word, God's doing something for people that are a part of this message and this weekend and you're hearing it. What will you do is the question after you experience offense. Will you drink the poison or not? Because if you play the victim, you stay the victim. Like if you play the victim, you stay the victim. If you play the victim, you stay the victim. If you play the victim, you stay the victim. If you play the victim, you stay the Look at me. If you play the victim, you stay the victim. But if you make up your mind, I don't, I don't want that kind of life. From If you've seen it, like if you've seen it in other people, and I know you have, like mark it right there and ask yourself, do I want to live with that kind of bitterness spilling out of me? Do I want to live with that kind of anger and hate spilling? Do I want to perpetuate the hate in my own life? Is that how I want to live my life? And if not, I want to invite you to have the courage. Don't drink the poison. Don't drink the poison. Don't, come on, don't. You don't have to, God will help you. Some of you, the good news is that beginning right now, there can be a miracle in your life today. God can set you free. It can happen suddenly, it can happen quickly. This is not too hard for God. You make the choice. God will make the change. You can get set free and liberated from a bondage that has kept your soul captive. Come on, church. Come on, woman of God. Come on, young man. Come on, young lady.